We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Ravens Vault. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my new co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. We have your official 2022 training camp episode preview coming up in just a matter of minutes. But man, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least realize and recognize this moment. Right, Sarah? Right, partner? I mean, we're embarking on a new journey together in this new space and and I'm super fired up and based on some calls and preparation meetings, I, I think you are too. Bobby, just keep calling me partner. I just love that. I love it. I love partnership <laughs> so much. Yeah, this this is awesome. And for, for those that are listening to us, just some background of how this whole thing came about, right? Because Bobby and I have yeah. never even met in person. So this is somewhat as surprising to me as it might be to others, Bobby, because it's not like we have this big background together. But for those that, that that may not know, so let's see, where should I start? I, I left the Ravens. I worked at the Ravens for 13 years. I left in 2018, the middle of training camp. It was Lamar Jackson's first training camp. And I left because my husband had gotten a new job. I wanted to take a step back and have some time with my four kids. Meanwhile, when did you when did you come? When did you start in the Ravens market, Bobby? If I left in 2018, when were you introduced really to the Ravens market covering the Ravens? Yeah, so I've been in the Baltimore area now for close to a decade, but actually joining you know, the flagship radio stations of the team where I've spent the last three years was 2019. Okay. So I came in right before the start of what ended up being obviously a special ride. And the timing really aligned here. You know, You were in the middle of looking for somewhat of a personal change, wanting to kind of get back into the the, the scene when it comes to Baltimore sports and specifically the Ravens, which you've never left, mind <laughs> right. you, right? You've never I kept going not right. been active on Twitter. I kept Twitter. going big time on Twitter. I kept going big time on Twitter. And then I think where we met is you had just reached out for me to be a guest on your show at WBAL a couple times. And I felt like we had immediate chemistry. You know, so that was that was good. So during my time away, I would do Twitter and I'd go on shows like yours. I'd go on other people's podcasts. So I wasn't really going away, but then our timing matched up because you left WBL very recently, 98 Rock. I wanted to put a toe back in more than what I was doing on Twitter. And I'm not joking, Bobby. Sometimes these things just work out. A week after I had registered my youngest for kindergarten, you called me about potentially doing a podcast together. And I was like, oh my gosh, this just, this just was perfect. Yeah. It aligned. You can't make that up. And I think in terms of 
what we're hoping to do, you know, together as a partnership, I, we really hope to provide a daily destination really, as we said in, in our trailer episode for Ravens fans of all yes. kinds, right. In terms of like intensity yes. levels, whether you're the average Ravens fan, you're a diehard Ravens fan. You only check out the team in, in season and don't really care out of season. Like we don't care. We're going to provide something for every single type of fan out there. And I think we've really spent a lot of time make, ensuring that we do do that now that we're up yeah. and running. And we said this also, we do want to become, you know, we're not shy. We do want to become the most listened to Ravens podcast. And we say that knowing how good other po- there are of other po- podcasts out there. You know, there's so many, other, there are, you know, quite a few other Ravens podcasts, but Bobby and I have spent a lot of time tailoring this um, to become a daily destination where you get the Ravens news in 15 minutes in the morning. Then you get these long form analysis ones, which is what, what we're going to be doing here in this podcast. And then also trying to get some uh, Ravens personnel interviews. And so we're trying to attack it from all angles. I, you know, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going all the way. We're going all the way. So that's our goal. And we hope to get feedback from you all to, you know, keep making this better as we go along. But we hope we do become a daily destination and we want to be the most listened to Ravens podcast. As you mentioned too, Sarah, we are offering your longer form traditional style episodes and and this is our first one. So we might as well dive right into this thing, right? Let's do it. Training camp. 2022 edition. That's what's going on right now. Of course, the 2022 season is right around the corner for these Ravens. And I think right at the top of everyone's minds, recently, especially coming off a week where Kyler Murray got paid, Sarah, is the fact that maybe, just maybe, talks could ramp up again between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. You know he reported to camp a few days early. I wonder, I know you probably do too, whether or not they're back at the negotiating table. Well, I definitely think they're back at the negotiating table, and I definitely think that a deal could get done during training camp. I, however, do not associate when you say he came early. It's actually normal. I always got the the schedules when I was work, working at the Ravens. It is normal for injured players, rookies, and quarterbacks to report before everybody else. So him mm. coming a few days earlier than the vets, to me, isn't necessarily a sign that it's because he's coming to finish up a deal. But that also doesn't mean that it's not going to happen because the fact that he's in the building, we saw it, Bobby, right, with with mandatory OTAs. When he was in the building, it seemed like that was when negotiations got to another level. So I think that one could happen before the start of the season. What about you? Where's your confidence level in one getting done? It doesn't have to get done. They still have the year, and then there's the franchise tags. But where's your confidence level on it happening before week one of the season? The Ravens obviously want to get something done. And Lamar has made it clear in recent months that, yeah, there there are talks. Yeah. right. And at one point, it was sort of a fortress to get into si- inside Lamar's mind when it comes to where he I was. It still is a fortress. In terms of his talks. <laughs> yeah, it still is a fortress. It'll always be a fortress, right? <laughs> When his mother, Felicia Jones, is involved, it will always be a fortress. And I mean that with all the respect in the world. She is a businesswoman. But I heard from a former Raven, Bart Scott, on ESPN recently, Sarah, who talked about a little bit. um, He was asked whether or not the Ravens should be doling out a bunch of guaranteed money for Lamar. 
And this is what he actually had to say. That's not how the Baltimore Ravens operate. You know, as a member of the Baltimore Ravens for seven years, I know exactly how they operate because I had two negotiations with them. And listen, you know, Deshaun Watson is a outlier. His, his 230 guaranteed is because he went to a team that had to outbid everybody to get his services because we knew that he was going to be moved and we knew that you had to give up commitments and give up draft picks. I mean, Lamar Jackson, what I would say if I'm Lamar Jackson, okay, if Kyler Murray set the floor then and, 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 and Deshaun Watson sets the, the ceiling, then I need something in between because I believe I'm a better player than Kyler Murray. I'm an MVP. I'm more accomplished. I need about 25% more guarantees on that, which will put him at about like 185, 190, which will still shatter and be $30 million or $40 million more than Aaron Rodgers, who we consider as the best player. Uh, quarterback in the league but the Ravens don't operate that way when Lamar Jackson plays a brand of football that could potentially get injured and they will never um, handcuff themselves that way long term that's not how Ozzy operated and Eric DeCoste is a descendant of him you know what I mean so I don't think they'll ever do that okay so I had never heard that before I'm glad that you brought it in Um, I was with Bart Scott all the way up until the end Okay, so where I think he's correct is that the Ravens are the Ravens. They negotiate the way they negotiate. They don't pay too much attention to other people. It's not like they like them. Obviously, the market is the market, so they have to pay attention to the market. Steve Bashotti, you remember, he should have said that he wished that the Browns hadn't guaranteed the whole contract to Deshaun Watson. So it's clear that that's not how the Ravens operate. But what I didn't agree with with Bart Scott, you tell me where you're at with this, is that he tied it to the way Lamar plays. I am so over that narrative. I've done the studies. I've seen other studies. Lamar Jackson and the way he plays is not more dangerous than the average quarterback. Okay, I've done a study on the mobile quarterbacks. It's the quarterbacks right in the middle that are the, the most middle mobile, okay? The statue quarterbacks and the mobile quarterbacks, they're not the most injured. So I don't tie it to that, but I do think that the Ravens don't want to be handcuffed with a fully guaranteed whoever the player is, whoever the player is. So based off the fact that Kyler Murray got the exact, almost the exact same overall contract value, which was $230 million. He got just a tad above that, Murray did. Like, that to me is the floor. I agree with Bart there. And I also agree with Bart that the Ravens aren't going to want it to be fully guaranteed. But I don't tie it to the fact that Lamar runs more. I think I more tie it to the fact that that's the, Ravens, the way the Ravens do business. The way that Lamar plays the game of football is the reason why, when healthy – this team is a bona fide Super Bowl contender. Right. They're in the conversation because of the way Lamar, his brand of football. His brand of football is the reason why the dude is a 37 and 12 regular season starting quarterback yeah. over the last four years. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if he meant that as a slight. Uh, he, he likes to slight Marquise Brown, not Lamar, right? <laughs> He's been open about <laughs> go to, that. Go Google that if you're not familiar. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. We don't want to, you know, jump down his throat too much. He may not have meant that as a slight. At the same time, it certainly came across as that he doesn't agree, or the Raven almost as if the Ravens don't agree with his brand of football. No, yeah. the Ravens have actually chosen. 
to build around his brand of exactly, football. Exactly, exactly. And some would say that they're maybe going too far deep into that. We'll get into that later when we talk about the passing game. But 100%, like everybody acts like, like the Ravens didn't know this when they drafted him. Clearly, the rest of the league is concerned and the Ravens are not. Even the league is like, you should have less designed runs. Well, clearly that's the league. It's not the Ravens. So why would that be connected to his contract also? I mean, the most it's been proven the most dangerous plays for a quarterback. The most dangerous is the knockdown, because that's when a quarterback is passing, is getting hit while he's passing, so he can't brace himself. The second most dangerous play for a quarterback is a sack, right? Because he's still not really protecting himself, but at least can brace more than during a knockdown. The third most dangerous is a scramble. And then the fourth most dangerous and final one is the designed run. And it's because quarterbacks can make decisions. They can see what they're doing. They can give themselves up. They can run out of bounds. They're so much more in control than when they're just a sitting duck in the, in the backfield. So how Bart Scott meant that, I don't know, but I know that Ravens fans are definitely tired of hearing that and I'm over it too. And the two injuries that Lamar has sustained, it was when he was in the pocket passing. So uh, it's just the Ravens aren't worried about it. It's clear from the day that they 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 uh, drafted him, Bobby. Do you agree that maybe he the the Ravens and Lamar could meet somewhere in the middle? Maybe have more guaranteed than Kyler, but not be fully guaranteed. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. You know, when you take a look at the the highest paid quarterbacks in terms of average per year, right? It's a heck of a list. It's Aaron Rodgers at the top at fifty point two. Kyler now all of a sudden is at. The second slot at 46.1. Deshaun Watson, which is the outlier, is 46. I, I'm, I'm calling him an outlier because of the off-the-field yep. stuff. Patrick Mahomes is at 45 at 4. And then Josh Allen is at 43. There are guys on this list that are not as accomplished as the former unanimous 2019 MVP. So he he deserves, and if we're talking average per year you'd have to think he's in right around that 50 number maybe he'll even end up surpassing Aaron Rodgers in the coming weeks yeah I listen first of all I I hear what you're saying the the way contracts are built however as as onlookers whether you're the media or a fan we want to tie performance to who's the highest paid but that's just not how it works what it, how it works is if you're basically in the top 10, maybe the top 15 at any position, when it's your turn to get a contract, you usually are setting the, the market again, unless there's an outlier, which, which is exactly what Deshaun Watson is, especially in terms of guaranteed money. Like this is a historically desperate organization who was trying to lure him away from other teams that he he had already ruled out the Browns so they had to come back with a crazy offer to lure him away from you know the the Atlantis of the world and the other people that he was considering so to me while I think yeah Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray you know and I also think he's better than Deshaun Watson they've played head-to-head a few times and Lamar's always come out on top Plus, Lamar's been is more available. So, so to me, of course, Lamar's better than those guys. But the way contracts work is it's not really tied to that. It's just that the latest guy gets the next best contract. So, to, to bring it back to your point of like the contract value per year, yeah, I think that Lamar will at least be the new number two. 
And the way you alluded to, Aaron Rodgers is number one. I just need to go back and look at Aaron Rodgers because at the time, I remember people saying that's not really his average. It's really like $50 million. It's more how it was structured. He's not going to get to the end, but I need to go back and look at that. But could Lamar be a $50 million contract, you know, a year? Sure, sure. But I do think the floor is Kyler Murray at $46 million now. And the longer that they wait, I mean, the Broncos still haven't signed uh, Russell Wilson. He could maybe go next and then take it up even a little bit more. So yeah, we're we're right there in that fifty million dollar range. Contract talks aside, a lot of folks are wondering, given through the first half of the twenty twenty one season, Lamar was a legit candidate for MVP. Is he poised for a comeback year? He was speaking of unavailable for the first time in his NFL career. He was unavailable for a stretch of games down the stretch when they needed him the most in 2021, Sarah. I got to think that this dude is poised for a big-time year. We've seen him be a little bit more vocal online (laughs) in recent weeks, maybe even with a former Raven by the name of Bernard Pollard, right? I just get the sense he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to come out with vengeance. This team's out for blood. Are you feeling this? Yeah. How many times did you hear Eric DaCosta say, "We're, we're out for vengeance? He's used the word vengeance. Like, uh, you know, many, many times this offseason. Bobby, uh, here's my here's my view on Lamar. And uh, listen, I think every year Lamar is in the conversation for MVP. And I think 2022 will be no different. The fact that he was in the conversation in 2021 is mind boggling to me. When, when the Ravens had the, I mean, the most injured team, I think in the history of since people have been tracking this stuff, they weren't just the most injured last year, but the most injured ever. And here Lamar has the Ravens in first place in the AFC, like in week eight, considering all their injuries. I think he's good enough to always be in the conversation. And this is the caveat with any position, as long as he stays healthy with the offensive line, that the Ravens have given him, which we'll talk about later. I don't see any reason why he won't be in the MVP talk again, Bobby. Uh, Like you said, he's just so mad right now. He wants to prove everybody wrong. We see it in social media. We see it in the way he talks. I don't bet against Lamar Jackson, and I especially don't when he's got a massive chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he's not the only one, too, and I think that'll be a theme that we often discuss, not th- only on this episode, but in the coming weeks as we get ready for the regular season, right? Like there's this theme of these guys having chips on their shoulders. Totally. They hear totally. the noise. They hear the doubt. They hear the critics. How will they right. respond? All right. So Bobby, here's a question I get a lot on Twitter. Do you feel like the Ravens might be putting Lamar in either like an unfair position? I, I get the word unfair a lot, or like they're pushing him in this scenario where he has to be the the Superman, he has to play hero ball like he did last year. Are they putting him in that position again by relying too much on a group of unproven, with a lot of potential, but unproven young wide receivers? Is that unfair for the Ravens to do to Lamar? My first thought is always, why do we forget about 89? Right. Yes, he's a tight end, but Mark Andrews is a certified superstar. And he has clearly and and so obviously become Lamar's favorite target over the years of working together that it's almost as if he is the number one guy. Now, for this specific question, I want to stay grounded because you asked me about 
wide receivers. Until Rashad Bateman has a legitimate full season underneath his belt as a former first-round pick and a fully healthy season, knock on wood, which hopefully is forthcoming, I'm not sure that I can pin down sort of an unfairness from the front office aimed at at Lamar and setting him up for success because they've drafted a number of wide receivers in recent years and they have again a number one target as as a tight end in Mark Andrews until we see what Rashad Bateman becomes I'm not sure that I can actually answer this got you got you I I actually is that fair what do you think that's my thing is like to use the word unfair to me I feel like I'm forced to do what you just did which is to look at the offense as a whole and so we, there's a segment of fans that that just want this passing game, whether they say it you know out loud or not, want a passing game that might be a Mahomes passing game or whatever. And I do think that the Ravens passing game needs to be better. But to to label it as unfair, I I have to reject that label um, because. It would be unfair if he there weren't other superstars on the offense. You pointed out Mark Andrews. What was really hard on Lamar last year in addition was that he lost his top three running backs. You bring back Dobbins, and I don't know where Gus is at. We have a better feel for Dobbins because he's been so vocal, but you bring back Dobbins, you've got you've got Mark Andrews, you have this boatload of new tight ends. And so, and then, like you said, we have the chance with with Rashad Bateman, to me, the Ravens have never had a wide receiver like Bateman. The traits that he has combine his traits with his youth. He's a true X wide receiver. He's young. And he, I mean, he can do it all. He's got the route running. He's got reliable hands. He can grab balls over the middle of the field. He can go outside. He can be... He has the traits to become a true wide receiver one. So to me, the question is, it's like you said, will he hit the level we all think he can hit? Then to me, the real question is, this is another reason why I don't put the unfair label on it. More than anything, it's who's going to be wide receivers two and three. And so that's where it's really unproven, and I don't know. But but to me, to say it's unfair, no. But would Lamar benefit from having a stud established wide receiver core of course but this is a run first offense and a tight end first passing game and so as long as Rashad can take the step we all think he can and one of these guys can step up to be a solid number two I don't think the Ravens need much more than that unless there's there's an injury but I would not put an unfair label on it. No, I don't think the Ravens have been unfair because I think it matters what the offensive line is what the running backs are and the tight ends are way before wide receiver and then within wide receiver you have a top a top pick and some unproven depth that we need to figure out we should also too recognize that Lamar's peers have been set up by their front offices respectively in recent years Tua got Tyreek this offseason Derek got Devante Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs right a year a couple years ago so I know that frustrates a portion of the fan base because they want that sexy acquisition totally. for Lamar. But to your point, he has a number of weapons around him. They've proven they can win a ton of regular season games 
with said weapons, with this offense built around Lamar. It remains to be seen whether or not they can make a deep run into January and then on to February. But I know that front office uh, knows and is very confident that they can do so. But until they do, these questions will remain. That's the For bottom sure. line. Okay, so but we're also talking, Bobby, as if the Ravens won't add any more wide receivers. And in my view, they still will. Where are you at with that? I would agree, and I've compiled a list of five veteran free agents that are remaining on the market at this point. I'm just going to go ahead and list them out, see what you think, and you can react accordingly. Odell Beckham Jr., Will Fuller, Cole Beasley, T.Y. Hilton, and probably the Twitter acquisition, if you will, (laughs) within the Ravens flock request list, Julio Jones. Anybody pop off the page at you? there is. I would like Odell Beckham Jr. Here's why. I think, yeah, (laughs) here's why. So obviously he's injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're like, go. Um, Okay, (laughs) obviously he's injured. Uh, So he will miss probably at least half the season. But I think Mm -hmm. for the Ravens, that's going to be okay. We constantly have this debate. And, and sometimes I go back and forth, too, about how much the Ravens should let their younger guys get a chance. Let the Devin Duvernays and the Prochets and the Tylen Wallaces get a chance, right? I'm here for that, too. And at the same time, though, I hate putting all my eggs in that basket. Like, I want, I want, some, I want some, some insurance. So, to me, Odell Beckham Jr., could fit the Ravens for so many reasons. Number one, you get that veteran experience. Number two, if you don't sign him until closer to the middle of the season, then you're not paying for this expensive wide receiver the whole year, right? So you're kind of like just getting him for the weeks, the weeks that you sign him for. So that makes more sense money-wise. Then if you wait till that time of the year, you've given yourself a chance to see what these younger guys can do. And then finally, people always complain, okay, well, the Ravens' run-first offense seems to work during the season, but then when you get to the off-season, or excuse me, the postseason, you run into better defenses. The the you don't you're not surprising these teams as much because now they're the defensive coordinators are like focused on stopping this offense, which is so different from most of the other offenses in the league. So then finally, fine, you bring another caliber of a receiver for that playoff stretch or the end of the season. And we saw how quickly he could jump into the Rams offense. And then, so by bringing him in for just a short amount of time, you also, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have a hard time criticizing obviously his teammates, but you limit that also by bringing him at the end of the season. So that's, that's, that's my pick, Bobby. That's who I'd be going with. What about you? Well, sign me up for, you know, a slot to be an observer on the sidelines in Owings Mills to watch Odell Beckham Jr. and Marcus Peters go yeah. back and forth because that would be a jawing match for the ages. Well, even he and Humphrey have a background too, right? So they got in that yeah. little scuffle. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm here for that. Oh, Who yeah. would you pick out of those five? Yeah, I'll go with Julio, not because I'm trying to be, uh, you know, the king of Ravens Twitter here and, uh, you know, appeal to, to those folks. But I don't know. I, I think he's got more in the tank. I know durability was a problem last year in Tennessee, but he does sort of resemble 
that Anquan Bolden kind of figure, maybe finishing off your career in Baltimore. Obviously, the Ravens took a flyer on Sammy Watkins a season ago, and it was a disappointment all in all, I would say, you know, based on not only availability, but productivity as well, or lack thereof. Uh, but I, I'll go with Julio. You know, that I think we're, we're, what we're, we're definitely both in agreement on is the fact that EDC will will more than likely bring in someone, right? This this unit needs someone, needs a little bit of the seasoned veteran type of mentality. To It's a, it's a young room. Yeah. It's a young and unproven room, right? And, and an inexperienced room, too. So they need somebody. It's just a matter of who. There's still time. There's definitely yeah, still time. Yeah, the only one I don't see happening is, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would say T.Y. Hilton because the Ravens already went after him and he was like, nope. So the Ravens aren't... The, wasn't interested. Yeah, he wasn't interested. So it's not in the Ravens' way to be like, go back and ask again. Just puts them in a weird position. So I don't see that one. Um, but I Will Fuller, that one makes a lot of sense. It brings the speed back, you know, that we that the Ravens may have lost with the trade of, of Marquise Brown. Um, but yeah, Julio makes sense too. It's just a balance of bringing in a veteran voice without stunting or taking away the opportunities from somebody like Prochet. So, um, yeah. you know, but, but listen, the Ravens need the depth either, either way. Uh, I mean, if there's an injury, if like Rashad Bateman got injured again, <laughs> that's not yeah. looking good. Yep. That is not looking good. So that's what that's what could happen at the wide receiver position. Eric has kind of like left that alone for now, but we both think he's going to add something where he did not sit back was at the offensive line. We saw last year from starting with Stanley, it just felt like a game of musical chairs, Bobby, all season last season. Yeah. And again, I think the offensive line is way more important than the wide receiver core in in this offense. Um, do you feel like Eric and all the moves that he's done, do you think he's done enough to stop that game of musical chairs? How do you feel like he's done with the front five? I got to give him his flowers to use the, the players quote, right? That they love saying that these days, give him his yeah. flowers, give him his flowers. Eric deserves his flowers for the moves that he made, not only in free agency, but also via the draft, right? It was a revolving door, um, a carousel, whatever you want to call it, a game of musical chairs to, to your point last year. And I think going out and shoring up the right-hand side, first and foremost, by bringing in a vet, Morgan Moses, who likely they want, I would assume, to to win the starting right tackle job. You then go from right to left and, and see the stabilizing force that Kevin Zeitler's been at, 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 right, at right guard has been super impressive. You go and, and get Tyler Linderbaum, who's supposed to be a generational type of center out of Iowa. And then, you know, I think we'll get to this in a little bit, but I think left guard, there's certainly room for competition going into training camp between Ben Powers, Ben Cleveland. I know that's the fans pick typically. And you probably should even throw Tyree Phillips in there as maybe the dark horse to, to take the job uh, come September 11th when they face off against the Jets. But, you know, to round out those five, too, and probably the biggest question when you go throughout the entire team, Sarah, is will Ronnie Stanley be ready to go for the first time in nearly two years coming off of what's been a really difficult stretch with a very complicated back and forth process of that ankle injury that he sustained. You got to go all the way back to what November of 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that other than Lamar Jackson, I'd even put Stanley above 
Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey in terms of like importance of his return. Um, because that was the domino effect that started all of last year. It's the security card for, um, you know, Lamar Jackson. And by the way, that's not to say, oh my gosh, I want Marcus Peters back. I'm just saying in terms of like the, the, the most important injured person to come back, it's, it's gotta be Stanley. What's, what's, so if you look, if you want to take an optimistic view, Stanley based off of his social media posts alone, which he's in a much better spot at this time this year than he was at this time last year. He's posted videos of him running at the beach, um, you know, which is anybody that's running a beach knows that that's not easy. John Harbaugh, who during the season is much more tight lipped about injuries, but is more open in the off season. He seemed extremely optimistic from, from an injury standpoint alone. It seems like Stanley's doing very well. But at the end of the day, you don't know about his foot, the ankle in a football condition until he gets out there and he's hitting pads. They're hitting each other, this and that. So every sign that you can have up to the point that we're at, every positive sign that you want to have, we've had it. Um, he was, you know, not not fully participating, but was around for the the mandatory camp and all that kind of stuff. So so that's all good news, but we're not going to know. And that's the whole point of having training camp. We're not going to know for sure until training camp starts. I don't expect him to be out there the first day of training camp, but, uh, but all signs are pointing that he should be good. And if he's not, and this is where I have to give Eric DaCosta credit, the Ravens depth wise are in a much better position. If he can't be back than they were last year. Listen, no matter who you bring in, you're not getting another Ronnie Stanley. You don't have the money for that. But the depth, like we've said, we had Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle. My goodness, was that scary. Is Juwan James a better option than Villanueva? I sure hope so. Is if you put um, Morgan Moses over there, is that a better option than Villanueva? I hope so. And then you have, who knows where Daniel Falele is going to be. He, he might need some more time. Uh, but they have legitimate left tackle options that I don't feel like they had last year. And then you add in Linderbaum. Um, I think that Eric DaCosta did what he was supposed to do in terms of, you know, finding a backup option. So I think he went to work, not just this year, but the last two years. And I think he's put together a much better offensive line than what we've seen. We'll just see what happens to Stanley when he gets out there. I should also mention, too, I was supposed to give Patrick McCary some love, and then I just my mind went elsewhere. But that was really the first thing of the yeah. offseason. I don't even think the season was over yet that Eric DaCosta nailed down, yeah. right? He got Patrick McCary a deserving contract extension. And while he may not be you know, your your classic starter as he was asked to be, up and down the line last year, you better believe that he'll be used in a number of ways, whether it's an, an extra lineman, whether it's a swing tackle, whether it's filling in for the inevitable injury from time to time throughout the season. And I think he's just super, super versatile, and it's admirable what he was able to do filling in-wise last year. He was far, far beyond what anybody probably expected him yeah, to be. Yeah, he, he boggles my mind. I mean, honestly, you've seen some guys have – issues just switching one position and that guy can fill in at five. Are you kidding me? And I will say one other thing you named Tyree Phillips as a uh, dark horse for the left 
uh, guard position, I might actually pencil him in as the favorite. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I also want to see Ben Cleveland, but Tyree Phillips, the last two years, it's been pretty clear that the Ravens want to start him at guard. They've wanted to. They they said that from the moment they drafted him, that he's got a body for it, that he'd move him over from tackle. Then that, you know, they had him practicing there. Injuries made him go outside. Same thing happened again last year. He actually started the season as the starting left guard. Uh, I think that Ben Cleveland would have to come in and just ball out over training camp uh, to get it. And I would love for him to do it. He's he's younger. He's We'd have more years with him. Uh, but but based off of the past, I think the Ravens want Tyree Phillips there. And I think when training camp starts, it wouldn't be shocking to me that he was playing with the first team offensive lineman in training camp. All right, Sarah, let's shift gears because we all know what the 2021 season was for the Baltimore Ravens when we're talking about the injury category. And now it's the rehab category, right? Where are these guys at in their respective rehab processes leading into the 2022 season? We just found out some news about six specific players who either lost all of last year or portions of last year, and you have that updated list, right? Yeah, so the Ravens sent this out Friday night. Uh, they've got six players who are going to start on the active physically unable to perform list. It's important to say active because there's an active PUP and there's a reserve PUP. To be on the active PUP means that you can come off at any time. So all the people I'm going to name, they're prominent names, but there's really no need for concern because they can come off literally at any time. So the six players are running back J.K. Dobbins along with Gus Edwards. Then there's left tackle Ronnie Stanley, outside linebacker Tyus Bowser, cornerback Marcus Peters, and then safety, Ardarius Washington. So all of them will start on PUP, which was expected, right, Bobby? Like, I expected all these guys to be to not start on training camp week day one. Right. No, no surprises on this list. Prior to the news shaking out, we had a list of 10 players that we were watching and monitoring closely ahead of camp. You know, obviously, six of those 10 ended up being these guys that, that you just referenced. The others, Nick Boyle. David Ajabo, Adafe Owe, and Justice Hill, right? All, all four of those guys did not end up on this list for specific, for different reasons. Now, let's get back to this, this list of six, though. Yes, there are no surprises, but what's the biggest takeaway? Nothing yet, right? It's To me, this list doesn't change a lot from before this list was sent out because I would say these six guys wouldn't have practiced day one anyway. So, But I will say the guys that were injured earlier, so Marcus Peters, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins, they were all injured, all ACLs before training camp. Those guys, I would say might be in the category of probably healthy, but being very cautious. There's, they all, well, Gus and Marcus were both injured in practice. So those guys, there's, it's just precautionary steps, I would guess, and are probably healthy, but there's no reason to rush him back. Ronnie Stanley totally looks healthy based off of what he has posted running in the sand in the beach. Not easy to do, but he's a wild card because we have to wait. And this is with all of them. You have to wait until they're on the field to see how they respond to football. But in terms of like training on their own and what they're what they're supposed to do to make those ligaments healthy, it seems to me, based off of what I've seen, that they're all healthy. But football healthy is another step, which we won't know until they're on the field. Now, Tyus Bowser and Ardarius Washington, those guys, I think, have have some 
actual rehabbing still to do. That's my guess based off of the timing of their injuries. Now, that being said, and this sounds crazy, but Tyus also has been posting videos with him doing drills that make the Achilles look great. Even John Harbaugh said he was optimistic that Tyus could be back for training camp, not just week one, which almost seems crazy seeing that he ripped that Achilles in the last week of the season. But optimism there, but based off of last year, we all know... Not to get too excited. I think we've all been traumatized from last year. Yeah, for good reason. Let's talk about J.K. Dobbins, right? Because this designation comes, what, less than a week after J.K. came out of hibernation, you could say, Sarah, after a report from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network surfaced on Twitter, and J.K. didn't exactly like it. First and foremost, this is what Ian had to say on NFL Network. Sounds like the recovery is going well. Uh, he is pushing as hard as he possibly can, and there really hasn't been any setbacks. That said, just based on the timing of his injury, my understanding is he's no sure thing to make week one. In fact, based on an estimate I was given by someone I, I trust, there's certainly a possibility that he is not ready for week one, perhaps even could get on the field a couple weeks after that. It's not to say his rehab is going bad. It is not. It was just a serious, complex injury. It was an ACL. It was a meniscus. There was damage to the lateral side. There was, there was a lot. And for the Baltimore Ravens, what they have done is protected themselves. They signed uh, Mike Davis in free agency. They drafted a running back. They also have Gus Edwards, who seems like he should be on track for week one. His is going well as well. It's just no one is going to push Dobbins to get back before he is ready. So they want to make sure when he is on the field, uh, he is 100% cleared and good to go. And in response to that, JK quote tweeted Ian and said the following. Okay, I'm tired of being quiet. Come to me for your source at Rap Sheet because I might not even go on PUP because that's how good my rehab is going. And I'm damn sure going to be ready for week one, which of course was the quote that you saw everywhere. I'm damn sure going to be ready for week one, Sarah. JK has been very, very quiet throughout the course of, of his rehab. We have to respect that, obviously. What'd you make of that though? Uh, same as you. I mean, uh, I already had optimism that JK would be ready based off the timing of his injury, but this, <laughs> yeah, this just took it to another level. Now he said he might start on PUP. That's not his decision. Um, I think he might have been ready in in uh, mandatory camp. In fact, I remember John Harbaugh saying something like, JK, in his mind, he's like the starting quarterback today. So I think that the Ravens, the trainers, the coaches, you know, all have to be like, hold on, he's chomping at the bit. Let's let's reel him back. But that's, that's good news, right? That he feels so good. And that it's just the coaches and the trainers that have to reel him back. So yeah, having him back there week one with Lamar Jackson, Bobby, like, remember what Lamar did with like the fourth, fifth and sixth running backs to have another threat back there week one, like JK Dobbins, that's going to be huge, huge. And Bobby, we'll wrap up with this on the injuries. You had said that Marlon Humphrey, Nick Boyle, David Ojabo and Odafe Owe was not put on the PUP. I think that's really good news for three of the four. The only one that's not is David Ojabo. Those three are going to be ready day one. They'll be out there practicing. So they all had serious injuries or significant injuries, and they'll be back. David Ajabo, the reason why I think this is me, you know, speculating, and we'll find out. I think David Ajabo will end up being put on the non-football injury list, which is an injury that occurs either not playing football or at least not playing football for the Ravens. So remember, he got hurt his Michigan pro day. 
kind of like Juwan James was on the and the non-football injury list all last year because his injury happened away from the Ravens, right. really from from football. So David Ajabo, I think, will be on there. And the earliest he could come back, I believe, I believe was like week six for practice, maybe week eight, but doesn't have to come back. So I am still with David. Me personally, I'm keeping expectations extremely low. I'm thinking this of this as a redshirt season because when you combine a serious injury along with learning how to become a pro, I want to give him time. And if he happens to come back and give us more than that, then awesome, we'll take it. But for me, I'm setting my expectations pretty low for what he can do this season. I like that. I think that's fair. And this whole talk of optimistic October, right? I mean, that's kind of the, yeah, the yeah. what's coming out of Ravens camp in, in recent weeks. I think, you know, let's, let's temper expectations for a guy who is trying to overcome a pretty significant injury that he suffered on his own pro day in March. I mean, yeah. just, just brutal timing for him. So we'll be watching that closely. And I think Nick Boyle, before we jump, Nick Boyle is someone I'll be watching very, very closely. We know how much the Ravens bolstered that tight end room throughout this offseason. Here's a guy who played in five games last season. He was not himself. I think he would not admit that. He pretty all. much has admitted that. Yeah, right. he, he's fully admitted that. He's aware. And for a good reason. You got to go back to November of 2020 when, yes, he avoided the torn ACL. Right. But not the hamstring, not the meniscus, not the PCL, the MC, the MCL and a small <laughs> fracture as well in his knee. This is a dude who is just trying to essentially relearn how to use his knee. And yeah. so I think with that in mind, uh, I'm hoping based on some, you know, a transformation, really a physical transformation that, that he's undergone throughout the course of this offseason will bode well for him um, and keeping less weight off of a knee that's been through a whole heck of a lot. He looked by all accounts phenomenal in the offseason practices, lost a lot of weight. Bobby, can you imagine this tight ends core? With a healthy Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews, and maybe one or both of the rookies, Isaiah Likely or yeah. Ch- Charlie Kohler stepping up. Oh my gosh, that's that's that. Those are some weapons for for Lamar if, if they can all get healthy. The tight end room and the DB room. I just think of yep. depth. We'll and see if that plays forget, out, and we'll see if that forget. stays consistent. Yeah, and let's not forget that this is a tight end centric passing game. So you need you need that depth at the tight end. No question. And somebody who actually, matter of fact, lined up as a tight end in some cases last year, probably more than he would have preferred to. I'll let him answer that coming up this week. Pat Ricard, Ravens fullback, is joining us. He is the first ever guest coming up this week for us here on the Ravens Vault. I love this guy. He's got about 15 different nicknames, and he embodies every single one of them, especially what he's become, a pro bowler. Right, Sarah? We're fired up to have him on. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Pat Pancake Ricard, our first guest. Yeah, What a great first guest. This is going to be awesome. Awesome. So glad that he could be the first one. Yeah, on the lookout for Project Pat. Again, he was once a project. Now he's a pro bowler. That'll be uh, out this week. And, man, we just got to say thanks. A huge thanks to you. The, the Ravens fan out there supporting us. This is our first long-form traditional episode here on the Ravens Vault. If you've been enjoying this, consider subscribing 
rating and leaving a review. It's really going to allow us to continue bringing this, this content on a daily basis. You know, if you guys like it, please send it out to all your Ravens fans, friends. We want to get this thing up and running and to as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And a reminder, every single Monday through Friday morning, you have a 15-minute episode, The Morning Vault, coming to you. Get all your latest Ravens news in 15 minutes. That's what's coming up. Sarah, we'll be back soon. And this is The Raven's Vault. Raven's Vault.